the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Planted. This is episode number 11. And today I'm really excited to have Christine and Nicole Scabola, a mother-daughter team and owners of Cosmic View. Um, Welcome, both of you. Thanks, Sarah. We're really excited to be here with you. Um, Just a little bit for our listeners. So Christine is a former UC Berkeley professor and a leading international cancer researcher. Um, And you've you've done a lot of work with cancer before you got into cannabis. And Nicole, you're a cancer survivor, an attorney. You've done so much. You know, I I was going to read off both of your bios, but they're so you have so much wonderful stuff here. Um, (laughs) And it's funny because um, there's a little bit of a parallel too. Um, my mom, well, she just retired recently, but she's a cancer researcher. And I went through stage three colon cancer in my late 30s. And she actually did the clinical trials on full Fox 5, which is what I ended up doing years later. Uh, and I was wondering, before we get into the cannabis portion of it, well, and I, that is actually connected, I guess. But how was that for you, for the two of you? being one person being in research and and being the mom and then you know Nicole you going through cancer and I know we just jumped into like a big question right away no that's okay yeah it is used to it it is a really big question and uh yeah it was uh I guess my decision to do cancer research was driven by, I actually had a brother that had cancer when he was young and passed away. And then, um, you know, I had other illnesses in my family. You know, it's just the same old, a lot of people do, you know, they go into an area because of their background and what, you know, their life experiences. And so that's what drew me to doing cancer research. And in the midst of getting my PhD, actually, my younger daughter, was diagnosed with cancer when she was a teenager. And it was really, really hard because it was the same kind of cancer that I was actually doing studies on, which was really crazy, you know? So anyway, that's kind of how I got started. It was really difficult for a while and people didn't think I'd be able to continue doing the research I was doing because it was so close to home. But it actually helped a lot for me to understand and have some control, I felt, as to what was going on with her and having, you know, the education that I could talk to the doctors. And, you know, I knew enough that I wasn't probably as afraid in some ways because I felt like we, you know, I knew what the chances of her survival were and that sort of thing. And it really did help. Um, and then, of course, as, you know, a few years after um, when Nicole was, how old were you then? I guess you were 32. Yeah, she was 32. And then she was diagnosed with a rare endometrial cancer. And that really like, I don't know, I think for, in some ways, it really hit me in a way that was like, I couldn't believe that I had two. you know, it's like crazy odds, you know, but then again, my family is just we, we have bad genes, obviously. <laughs> and um, I was doing genetic studies. Um, I was looking at you know, not only genetics, but lifestyle and, you know, nutrition, environment, and all the factors that contribute to people's risk of disease, mm-hmm. and particularly cancer. And I was studying lymphoma. And so um, anyway, I felt like it was, it really did help to have that background and be able to be so supportive to my family when they really needed it. Yeah. I- yeah. And- Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I interrupted ahead. you, Nicole. I was just I was just going to say that it it must for you, Nicole, that must have been a great support and relief to know that your mom would be there with some real answers for you. Yeah. Well, and first of all, I just want to say cuz I we haven't actually met yet, but my mom told me your story with your mom and I was like, "What? There's another one of us?" So, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love I mean, it's I feel so I mean, I think Obviously, like, you know, just in terms of being able to dive into the research and make diet and lifestyle recommendations and to help me kind of navigate the system. But I think for me, the, the, the most incredible part was it was like all of a sudden I had literally 
the best doctors from around the country who were like pulled into this and like giving me second opinions. I mean, I literally probably had like eight second opinions and they were from people who, you know, like I was treated at Sloan Kettering. Uh Oh, sorry. We have a doorbell thing on this door, but, um, but you know, it was like all these incredible doctors from around the country who were, chiming in. And for me, I had to make a decision about how I was going to get treated. And, um, you know, as you know, it's easy to feel powerless when you have a cancer diagnosis, but we actually, there are many choices that we have about how we decide to act or treatment and what we're going to eat or whatever. And so it just gave me the confidence that I needed to make a very difficult decision um, and to really feel like I did the right thing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm so lucky that I had that support system. Oh, yeah. Were you in California when this happened? No, I was actually, so I lived in New York City in Brooklyn for almost a decade. Um, So I was living in New York and, yeah, I was treated at Sloan Kettering, Mm -hmm. um, which was I was so happy that I was able to get treated there because especially for the type of cancer I had, it was very rare and yeah, I just felt like I was getting the best treatment I could have possibly gotten. And Christine, were you in California when Nicole was going through this? No, actually, at that time, I had, um, I just was recruited. And I mean, when I say just, I didn't even get to my new job at University of Alabama in Birmingham. Um so I, I left Berkeley and on my way moving to Alabama, I actually took a, you know, a flight to New York because at first the doctor thought that Nicole, he didn't think it was, he didn't even mention cancer. So they, he did this surgery that I was there for and she was recuperating from. And I stayed with her, you know, during the beginning stages of, I guess, the first week or so. And we, we lived through Hurricane Sandy during that time. And then the day that I, the day, the very first day of my new job, I got a call from her telling me that she was diagnosed with cancer. And it was so, I was ready to just leave my new job and said, I don't well, care. I was actually in the doctor's office. <laughs> and wow. she was walking in for her first day into a meeting or something. And I had to put the phone on speaker and be like, okay, my mom needs to be here for this. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it was a really trying time, but at least I was on the East Coast and then, you know, a little, you know, a few soon thereafter, you know, we went to, I was with her when she had her surgery and then she stayed with us in Alabama for a little while and um, during some of her healing. So anyway, that's the way it started out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's I, it's it's challenging. I mean, especially with families more and more being on opposite coasts. I know for me, um, I actually got my cancer diagnosis. I got a call from my doctor while I was helping my mom pack up and move because she had been doing cancer research in Upper Michigan, and she was moving to do it in at Baylor in Dallas at that time. And um, mm. it was, I actually, even though she was still far away from me when I went through treatment, it was nowhere near as far as where I'm from. Because it's, <laughs> we always joke that like going to the upper peninsula of Michigan, it takes just as long and it's almost as expensive as going to Europe. <laughs> Because it's so remote. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, you know, I had a really quick flight getting over to Dallas to see my mom. Um, and even though it, it wasn't home for either of us, it was home because we were together. And that was really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Support means so much when you have that support. Yeah, it does. And it's, you know, so many things happen with, with when, you, when you're dealing with cancer, either going through it yourself or, you know, the survivorship of going through it with a loved one, it, it changes everything. Um, how did you, how did you find that that, Nicole, how did that change your trajectory? And Christine, what changes ca- happened for you with that? Because like you said, that was the second time that you'd gone through something with one of your children in cancer. Yeah, well, I guess I'll answer yeah. first. Um, so, I mean, for me, it changed everything. Like I was, I was living in New York and I was working as a business consultant and I was commuting to Midtown and I was going out for cocktails after work and kind of um, on this like career path. And after when I got sick, I think 
I think a lot of the things that I thought were important to me just kind of crumbled away. And I realized, I don't know, I just realized that my life was meant to go in a different direction. And so, um, so I was actually really, I don't want to say lost because it was all part of the plan, but I definitely, I actually moved back to California and I was here for about eight months by myself in my parents' home. And I, I was in, you know, I was grieving and, um, and I wound up making a lot of art and then I, I actually wound up, um, it was actually just published last year, but I published a book called Wakeful Night and it's, uh, um, it's kind of like a journal. It's, a book that <laughs> invites the audience to participate with prompts to explore cancer related loss. And then it also has some of my story in there and it has a lot of art in it. And, um, and I just, I don't know. I kind of realized that I like can- can- cancer gave me this newfound courage um, to really explore suffering and, and what I call like the darkness, which sounds really morbid but I really just think it's like um kind of like the difficult part of human existence that also makes the other stuff really beautiful and so um so yeah I became I began doing more work around grief and then that sort of that led me to cannabis um and I'll let my mom answer and then I'm sure you'll have specific questions about the impetus of that but <laughs> oh yeah for sure yeah. I will <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I um it really changed my life too you know watching Nicole and her process and you know grieving with her and you know trying to work through the grief as a mother and you know seeing your child sick is you just want to trade places and it was just like one of those things where I was going through a lot of heavy stuff and in that process, I realized that, you know, life is too short and I want to be happy and do something. I'd always been, you know, like I was, you know, with my work, I, you know, I had a great career and I was actually right, like kind of the top at that point, you know, like I had a really incredible job. I had like, you know, a lot of money to spend, you know, the university gave me so much money. I, you know, I had a family that was supporting all of my work and I was able to do whatever I wanted. And so one of the things I did before I left that job was I continued working. I was doing some work on seaweed at Berkeley and published a few uh, really interesting papers on how this particular seaweed could um, be protective against estrogen dependent cancers. And so when I was at in Alabama, I wound up, you know, continuing that work and I didn't have to write a grant for it or anything because I had all this money. And so, you know, it made me I started doing more plant medicine. You know, I had done some of that at Berkeley, but then this was kind of an extension. And um, while I was working on the seaweed and, you know, realizing that, you know, the whole plant is more powerful than any part of the plant. And um, that was obvious you know we did so much you know trying to isolate the most active component of the plant so that we could patent it and you know it just was not going to happen because plants are you know they're unique and they're factories and they develop you know they they have their own system of defense and you know like all of everything about the plant we don't know everything about the plant, but we do know that there are many things that we do know about the plant that are very important to the activity of that plant and its survival. And so it made me, you know, during that research, I started actually during the, that one project that we were working on, I actually um, identified the endocannabinoid system as being very relevant to lymphoma. And we wrote a paper on that. And so that was the first time I ever even heard of the endocannabinoid receptors and the system and how it works and how, you know, our bodies, we have our own factories going on. And I just didn't know any, and most scientists didn't at the time. So it just kind of brought an awareness to me about cannabis and a curiosity. And then with Nicole being sick, and I realized there's so much that this plant has to offer and, you know, I needed to explore it further. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, I don't want to just explore it. I want to help people with it. And so that's how, 
Nicole and I got in, you know, we, we kind of came together and decided that it was time to start our own company. When you're going through your research, how did, what was the first time that you heard about the ECS? Um, It was probably like in 2010 or 11, 2011, I think. Um, Yeah. And it was, like I said, it was part of, we were doing a screening. um, We were looking at people's blood and screening different things in the blood to see how, um, what factors were important in lymphoma. And that's how we started looking at um, anandamide and 2-acylglycerol. You know, we just didn't even know anything about it. And um, all of a sudden it, it popped up on our, in our panels, in our screening panels. And so that's kind of the first time I knew about it. And then we actually did more studies using synthetic cannabinoids in the lab mm-hmm. to further our research. And, but it was all in cells at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was really an interesting. Um, for me, it was an interesting discovery, yeah. although I didn't discover it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, for especially with your research that you'd already been doing with plants, that had to be really fascinating for you. And then, Nicole, when you were going through treatment, were you using cannabis at all for relief? So I did not. I was living in, well, I was living in New York and I also didn't have chemo. And Mm -hmm. so it was never really presented to me as an option. It was actually after I was sick when I stopped, like mostly stopped drinking alcohol and kind of just got into weed as a way to like, just relax. Um, And so I guess it kind of started with that and, and, you know, calling my like New York dealer on signal and having them show up with their like briefcase of California products. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah. And then my mom, I guess my parents actually kind of started getting into it at the same time, which is kind of funny. And then, um, so I think it all kind of snowballed because then my mom suggested that we start making topicals and then as we started you know off as a collective and then this research started coming out around endometrial cancer and um i guess that cbd has been shown in some studies to be effective against certain lines of endometrial cancer and breast cancer and that was really exciting for me and so um so yeah i think it kind of started off as pleasure and then shifted into I mean, as cannabis does, it's like, you know, there's many, it kind of comes into your life in many different forms and for many different reasons and didn't look back after that. Yeah. You kind of look back and you see the path that you took to, to find out how you got where you are. I mean, there's, there's so many fascinating areas in cannabis and, and those of us, I think, who are really passionate about you know, how to utilize it to get relief, get sucked in, because you you just, you see all these different things it can do, but you also, I think, you know, along with all the amazing things it can do, and um, I I was just thinking about what Christine was saying about, you know, how the full spectrum, how the whole plant is really important, Um, but then there's also the other side of it where we have people selling you know, hemp drive CBD products and promising the moon. And so it's really, mm-hmm. it's an interesting, it's, it's, it's fat. It's a fascinating thing to um, walk through and kind of disseminate, I think. Um, but when you're, when you were first starting cosmic view, what was, what was the first product that you formulated? Um, <laughs> it's actually, so we made, Oh God, I, it's like amazing when I think about where we Started. So we made two topic, two like pain topicals. One was um, like a CBD topical, and one was a fifty, like it was half CBD and half THC, and it was a pretty basic like olive oil base. I guess similar to the deep down actually, but without the menthol and without like all the cooling stuff. And um, 
Yeah. And when I, I mean, I think back, this is kind of a funny story, but um, the first dispensary that we ever went to was Mercy Wellness in Katati. Mm-hmm. And I remember we had been like manufacturing and I, you know, and I was so naive at that point. Like I just thought like, of course people are going to want this. Like we use our own olive oil. We're making like super high quality. It's all organic. We're going to have cute labels, like no problem. And I forced my mom to go in with these like janky tins in her pocket <laughs> she like just <laughs> kind of took them out in her hand and like came back to the car and was like oh my god that was so embarrassing I look like such an amateur and um and so that we we started off making topicals and then actually that meeting with um Joe who's still their buyer and he said to us he said you know you've really got to figure out a way to stand out in this market and you got to do something different. And so we came home that day, or maybe it was like, day. it was that day, but we had still been selling products directly to people um, as a collective, but we came home and we were like, okay, what can we do? Like, you know, it was like, mom, like what else can cannabis do? And she was like, okay, well, I know it can be really good for skin. And she had like made her own Viva La Vie. And she was like, and you know, I think we could do this like vaginal health product and we could do a muscle one and maybe it'll be like menthol and cooling. And so, and that's like what we did. Like we literally within days were like, okay, let's do this. And then a few months later we launched tinctures. So, um, so I, I guess the short answer is we started off with basic kind of like very basic pain topicals and then they evolved into these more nuanced niche formulas pretty quickly i was gonna say you you are well known for your your topicals and tinctures but by and large when when people think of cosmic view i think even even though a lot of your products are for everybody it is very female centric it seems do Mm -hmm. you agree yeah oh well for sure i mean we have and you know it's kind of it's a it's a line that we walk and we have always wavered on whether to keep on doing that it's something that we're both really passionate about um so right now yes like two of our four topicals are marketed toward women although i do have men who use both of them but yeah we have a menstrual cramp bomb we have a vaginal health bomb and we're actually we were just about to launch our it's called inner balance it's a women's health tincture formula um, but just with COVID and the degree of education that would go into that, we kind of put the brakes on it for a minute. But it's hard because, you know, it's interesting because, like, me and my mom are both endometriosis survivors as well. Um, and I wish, God, I wish I had access to cannabis when I was, like, taking Vicodin um, to alleviate menstrual pain. And I know there's just so many stories of women who have really benefited from with cannabis and alleviating menstrual pain and sort of like preventing these major flare-ups. And I hear from these women all the time. And, um, and yet I feel like there's so much education that still needs to happen in the cannabis space, not only in retail establishments, but also amongst consumers. So for us, it's hard because they're never our best selling products, but I think, they're products that I personally, I mean, my mom is passionate about them too, but I really keep on wanting to push the needle forward on products for women. Cause I just feel like we're so underserved, but you know, it's an investment cause they're not, like I said, like it's, it's just not the first thing that people go to. And it's a lot of times it's hard to even get dispensaries to carry them. Um, so, yeah, but I love being known for that. And I think the other the other reason why that is so is just because of a lot of the education that we offer around that. You know, we've done a lot of writing on, like, hot flashes or menstrual pain or breast cancer. And, um, and I really – it's really important for both of us to be, like, the thought leaders in the space around women's health and cannabis, even if we sell other products. Yeah, I, I think – I think the one thing that a lot of dispensaries are forgetting are that is is that women make a lot of the decisions about products that 
they bring home, they purchase and bring home. And with the normalization of cannabis use in in some of the states, I, I always like to say that because we live in our little bubble and I sometimes forget that there are places where they don't have the abundance of product that we do now. Um, but with normalization comes the... If, if we're looking at, you know, a cisgendered household, um, if the f- females in the family tend to be the ones who make the more, most choices about where your family is going to be purchasing product. And if there are things that serve women, that's really important. And we are underserved because I know for myself, too, I've been dealing with endometriosis since I was 12 years old. And, you know, we're always told just to kind of suck it up, you know. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's really, sure. really interesting. Um and I had just I had Elisa Sherman from Alimenta on um a few episodes ago. Actually I believe it was in December and we were talking about, you know, women and cannabis and how the levels of estrogen in our body determines how we actually how THC affects our body and also other cannabinoids as well. Um and just like not only does it help with things like cramps and endometriosis, but a lot of the work that I've done with people that are perimenopausal or menopausal, it's incredibly helpful for things like hot flashes and just a lot of the emotional stuff that we go through because of how our, our even though men have, you know, peaks and flows with their hormones, we, I don't know if it's that we're more in touch with it or that we're allowed to have conversations about it, you know? But it's it's an important thing for us to be able to create homeostasis around because it influences us so strongly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with your tinctures, I think that those can be really helpful as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll let Dr. Christine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've actually, um, it's interesting because we have... Um, you know, we have our high CBT, high CBD tinctures. We have a 20 to one and we have a three to one. And um, for a long time, the three to one wasn't as popular. You know, it just, people were shying away from uh, THC and, you know, they'd say, oh, I can't, I can't tolerate THC or, you know, I can only, I just want an all TH, all CBD product. And we were trying to explain to people that, you know, it's really important that you, you know, you don't just try to get an isolated CBD product. And um, I think over time, people are starting to, especially now, I think, people are experimenting more with, I, I don't know if they're experimenting more with THC because a lot of people are home and, you know, they're not afraid, like, oh, if I go to work and I, I don't want, you know, I have to be really clear-headed or whatever. And so that could be part of it. But we do notice that, you know, like over even like the last several months that our three to one formula seems to be getting more popular. And and I personally uh, started using it because I have an autoimmune condition. Uh, it's a skin condition that I was just like at my wit's end about. And I was so relieved when I could find something because the doctors really couldn't help me. And I was able to treat myself. I made um, our skin formula, skin salvation. And I also um, started using the three to one formula uh, because I wanted to, I knew that THC could help to temper the immune system a bit and so temper my B cell response. And I actually, just after using it for a few weeks, my all the itchiness and skin irritation started to calm down. It was really wonderful. And um and so, you know, and I also helped a lot of people that had migraines and I, there were, there were some animal studies showing how a balance of um, a certain amount of THC, CBD in a formula could actually really help with reducing the pain from migraines. And so there were people that started using the three to one that I, I know two people in particular that were using medication for years and were able to get off their medication once they started using three to one. So it starts, you know, it's just becoming more popular and people are getting a little bit more comfortable with incorporating a little THC. It's not high, real high dose, but you know, some people just were, there's just such a stigma around THC. And I think people are finally starting to realize that it has so many good benefits. We hear so much about CBD because 
you know, it's more acceptable. Oh, you're not going to get high. Like that's the big thing that they say. And, you know, meanwhile, there are all these really great benefits from taking them both and all the other cannabinoids that are included in a, a full spectrum product like ours. Yeah. A lot um, of, a and lot then of... we went on. Oh, go on. Oh, no, no I was, I was just going to say a lot of people get little sound bites of what they think is, is important or valuable with using cannabis and they just run with that. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, there's a lot of scare, you know, like you go to the, I've been to some doctors that are, they, they look at me, you know, like, you know, like, what are you talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, I'll t- tell them a little bit about the cat, you know, some of the effects of cannabis and how it's helped me with certain things. And I have some doctors that are really receptive. And then there's other doctors that they're afraid. They're so afraid of it that they just don't even want to learn about it. And it's unfortunate. But I think little by little, doctors are realizing just about all of their patients are using some form of cannabis. And so they need to, you know, get educated because otherwise they're not going to know with their patients, you know, like what to expect from patients that, and you still may not, you know, know what to expect. I mean, there could be drug interactions that we don't even know about, but we do know that it could interact with certain drugs. And so, you know, doctors need to be aware. And I think they are becoming more inquisitive and some of them are, you know, getting really open-minded about it. Yeah, it, it varies from practice to practice for sure. I know my oncologist, she and I have, have really candid conversations about it. And when I, when I teach at, with um, nurses and pharmacology students at UCSF or when I work with uh, staff at Kaiser, it's like there are people who want to learn and then you see people kind of stepping back, crossing their arms, being a little bit nervous and, uh, and from the dispensary level, you see a lot of people when they want to use, when they're curious about using cannabis, their physicians oftentimes will recommend CBD only because they feel like it's, it's a safe choice, that there won't be euphoric effects, there won't be any interactions. But what they're not realizing is that some people are sensitive to CBD. It can cause a general malaise. You've got the interaction with cytochrome P450 going on there. Um, I've, mm-hmm. you know, with the thousands of people that I've worked with through the years, I've had four people have highly euphoric experiences or actually highly psychoactive experiences on a 30 to 1 ratio, which, you know, we we always, mm-hmm. for the most part, assume that that's going to be low to no euphoria. And, you know, it's so it's it really is about, you know, them having conversations with their patients so that they can see all the different ways that it affects people. And going back to when you were talking about migraines, one thing I noticed, because I get migraines, and I, I'd like using CBD ratios to help with migraines instead of using pharmaceuticals. But one day I was out and about, and it was starting, and you know you get that feeling where you know it's coming on. And I didn't have any product mm-hmm. except for a pure CBD product. And I tried that because it, it was a, it was a, this was, well, this was, 215 times so we still were able to get free samples more easily than before and um right you know it, it stopped the migraine in its tracks from getting worse but it didn't make it better because it, i really needed to have the synergy of the cbd and the thc to do that and when i've mentioned that to other people they've all i've known other people who have done the same experiment and have actually felt the same way but it also goes back to us being walking chemistry experiments. We're all really different with how we metabolize cannabis. And it, that's why when we're using products, it's really important to track how they're affecting us and to see the patterns that we see in ourselves as individuals. That's right. You know, we all, you know, and even our genetic makeup has a big influence on, you know, how we respond to cannabinoids. So, it's, you know, there's so much that goes into it and, and then the interactions that we may have with dietary or, you know, drinking alcohol or other drugs that we're taking, there's so much that goes into it. And I, people have to be, they have to be very aware and it's good that people become more aware and take control of their own health. And I think it's, that's what's so great about cannabis is that people can start to, you know, see some positive results, but they have to work on it. You know, it's not like a silver bullet. Everybody just takes this one pill and they're, or smoke, you know, a joint. Everybody's going to feel the same effect. Everybody's going to have different responses and 
people will respond better to certain ratios and, you know, it's just all about learning what is right for you. Yeah. And having, mm-hmm. and being patient because there is patience that goes into it. And, yeah. you know, people have to realize that, you know, maybe that didn't work for you, but you shouldn't give up, you know, you can try something else. And then I'm sure, you know, you dealing with the public that you probably do that all talk to people about that all the time on how, you know, they may want to try a little different, you know, the dose or the timing of the dose or, you know, the ratio or, you know, if it's full spectrum or, you know, asking those questions, if people even know and educating people to some extent about that. Yeah, it is. It is a it's a learning curve. And, and I think it also in a, in a greater looking at it from a more of a a big picture perspective, you know, sometimes people think that they can take something and because their friend took it and it worked well for them, you know, oh, this will be great. It'll also help me with sleep. And that's where, you know, people get disappointed or they have bad experiences and then that strengthens the stigma. But what we're really looking at in many ways is that as a society, we've become so attached to instant gratification that one size fits all and we can just, you know, do whatever and not think about it. Where cannabis is that opportunity to ground and become aware of our bodies and what's going on with, I mean, everything we put in our bodies creates a reaction, right? So cannabis is no different. Exactly. And I think, too, like, just think going back to people experimenting, especially in times of COVID, we're in their home. It's like with everything that's going on with COVID and people being, you know, nervous about being sick or being asymptomatic or we're, you know, maybe some people are being hypervigilant. I know I was at first. (laughs) I'm still very careful. But, you know, every bit of warmth, I was like, oh, my God, is it happening? Exactly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I ended up having actually a bad reaction to a flu shot right when this was all starting. So I had a, a lovely scare. But, um, oh, you know, yeah. but it's like with, with staying home and being able to be more, you know, in tune with what's going on in many ways. And, and Nicole, I'd be interested to see what you think about this. Um, I was I was mentioning to my fiance that you know people I know are getting restless and it 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 can be hard but going through cancer I had many I had a long time where I saw people but I was kind of cloistered and on my own and so going through all of this like being a little bit further away from everybody and kind of going inwards isn't alien to me you know, but I think that, you know, for people who are having a hard time with it, that it, it's a good opportunity to kind of get in touch with how they feel. And if they are going to experiment with cannabis, it is a great time to because it does help with things like, you know, anxiety and putting us in a little better mood, perhaps not without without the use of alcohol or, you know, I, I'm not against alcohol, but I know for myself personally, I feel a lot better unwinding with cannabis than I do with a cocktail. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's interesting because I, so I live in Bolina. Um, normally I've been sheltering with my parents, but I live in a very isolated place. And so I'm used to being alone a lot um and so in some ways I'm used to that and then in some ways this time has also made it more difficult to be alone I think because it's just there's so much anxiety and it's scary and it's hard to be a small company and all these things and so I think I think what cancer has actually given me during this time is perspective because you know yes it sucks that I feel like I feel like in many ways that my life is on hold and I can't hang out with my friends and I, whatever, it's like all the stuff and it's hard seeing small businesses struggling and all that people dying around us. Um, and I, I guess when I, when I think about having cancer, I just think about like, damn, I'm so lucky to be healthy right now. And I'm so I'm so fortunate to have a place to go and to have a family who supports me because there's a lot of people in this country who are, who have lost a loved one or they have lost their jobs and they're 
really freaking out about losing their housing or not being able to provide food for their children. And so I think that's one thing about um, about having cancer is that it's just like every day. It's like something small and stupid happens and you're like, well, maybe that guy's having a bad day or um so I think for me, perspective has been a really big thing. And then, yeah, I, I think definitely, like, it's also given me the time to, like, get back to my drawing practice and to draw every day and to really take time to, um, you know, to relish spending, like, five hours on a bread recipe. I've totally been one of those people. Um, and I don't ever do that. Like, I'm always rushing around. And so I there are things about this period of time that, I've really loved and and it's been wonderful that I've been able to spend time with my family. And um, so, yeah, I think it's a, it's a mixture of gratitude and then also, yeah, I guess definitely like enjoying looking inward and, um, and just being more mindful about going through my days and how I spend my time and, and, and how I, how I think about, the world around me and you know just trying to have gratitude and positive thoughts because it's easy to not have those things right now yeah yeah it is and I I especially feel for people who are I feel very fortunate that you know my my shelter in place partner is somebody that I get along with really well um you know it would be very hard to be in a difficult situation either with an abusive partner or, you know, maybe you were in the middle of moving out and now you can't, you know, there's just, there's so mm-hmm. much that's going on. And, and I think, you know, even for people who are in ideal situations, you're right. There's, there's still that anxiety because there's a lot of, there's a lot of grief. There's a lot of fear. There's, there's just, you know, and then there's just the wondering of what's, what's next, what's going to happen. Are we going to get a second wave? I think we're already seeing that that's starting um, mm-hmm. and another thing just on top of it, just like with our industry in particular, you know, people are talking about, you know, COVID and cannabis and, you know, what was it? Mara Gordon had put something on Twitter the other month that was like, you know, cannabis isn't going to cure your COVID. You can smoke it. You can eat it. You can stick it up your butt. It's not <laughs> going to do anything. <laughs> Yeah. You know. Oh, I know. I saw there was a, yeah, I saw there was a New York Post article that people have been circulating um, about scientists think that cannabis may successfully treat COVID or something. And I'm like, I I haven't even, I actually have been meaning to show that to my mom because people have been reposting it. And I'm like, the New York Post is like the biggest rag. It's like literally the shitty free newspaper on the subway. So I'm kind of like, well. <laughs> I'm interested to know what that says, but you're right. Um, I'm sure that co- that cannabis definitely would help alleviate many symptoms. The big one being like anxiety. I can't even imagine like me and my mom were talking about how terrifying it would be to actually get COVID now after we've heard of all the horrific things that can happen to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think I would just be high the entire time or else I would be like, I don't know, just yeah, yeah, and well, thinking of all the ways I could die. <laughs> I think it's better. It would have, you know, for me. I I told her. I said I wish I just got it like at the beginning when nobody knew anything. You know, now yeah. you hear about you know blue toes and you know all these horrible things that can happen to you, like out of the you know the normal lung, you know, stroke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it just got it's become you know like this daunting scary thing you know meanwhile a lot of people don't even there there are many people that don't even know they have it or had it and people other people with very mild symptoms but you know it's just that that fear factor is there now so there's going to be a lot of anxiety one way or the other that's all I could say you know um so yeah cannabis could certainly help in certain areas of (laughs) COVID (laughs) infection (laughs) Oh, when this all uh, happened, I had uh, a journalist reach out to me to ask about smoking during COVID. And, you know, my response was was one of common sense. It's like, well, if you have any sort of, you know, 
If you have any sort of lung issues, I would never recommend that you inhale cannabis. That that wouldn't mm-hmm. be something that I'd recommend. And all of a sudden it was, you know, Sarah Pye, an educator, tells people not to smoke during COVID. And I was like, okay, that's <laughs> exactly what I said. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, things could get taken out of context. Sure. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they can. And it's, you know, just like with, you know, COVID, how... It's, it's manifesting in people. Some people are symptomatic. Some people, you know, get a little bit sick. Other people, you know, have, have died or are on ventilators. It's being that, you know, our personal biomes are so different that we are going to react differently to it. It's, I think that all the things that are happening now, and this is not to say, oh, it's good that this is happening, but it also reasserts the fact that you know, we need to be vigilant on how our bodies work and what works with our bodies and that, you know, it, it, and also just to be present because it's, it's one of those things like I remember a few weeks ago, I do really well by myself. I'm a, I always joke that I'm a highly functioning introvert. Not that introverts aren't, you know, highly functioning. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like even, you know, I can be alone. You give me a room full of books and some music and stuff to write and I'll be and and some, you know, and some cannabis and I'll be happy for a really long time. Yeah. You know, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's great. it, it does. But it gets to you after a while and, and you start, you know, thinking about things and, you know, then you stop and, and like Nicole was saying, you know, you especially when you've you've gone through a major health scare, it's like it's it, it gives you the tools to step back and evaluate and be like, right now everything is fine. You know, I'm I'm yeah, I'm healthy. Yeah. Every it's, it's all good. Let's cross that bridge when we get to it. Yeah, and for me, like I try to stay in the moment and say, okay, I try to do that. But there are times, and I don't even know where it comes from. It could be because I read some headline that scared me or. You know, just looking at the statistics and thinking about long term, how long this thing is going to last, which is going to last a long, long time. And so for me, every once in a while, I kind of feel like I just lose a little bit of my, I I don't know, my cool. Like I just feel really anxious and I can't even put my finger on it. And the first thing I do is I run and I grab my 20 to 1 CBD tincture because that is my go-to because um, for me, I'm a real lightweight and I don't, I just don't like to, you know, during the day, I don't like to have any, you know, a lot of THC in my, um, any of my tinctures. So during the day, I'd like to take the 20 to one, like, you know, in the morning or something, I'll take some, but on a day when I'm really feeling stressed out, I might take that second dose and it really does help. But, you know, that's why I'm sick people, whatever they do, you know, some people, it, you know, they like to. Well, sometimes you have more than a second dose of CBD. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, I mean, sometimes you gotta. It feels, <laughs> I, whatever it takes. Like I just say, okay, today is one of those days and I'll go, you know, I'll do my Qigong exercise and even that won't be enough. And then I'll go and take some more CBD. And I mean, it's not just CBD, of course, you know, it has some THC in it, but it really helps to, you know, what, I think people just need to have something. To, and and I just think, you know, of course, this is my own opinion, but I do believe it's true that it's better to, as an alternative to taking um, alcohol, at least cannabis has helpful effects, whereas alcohol has And you don't feel like total ass the next day. Yeah. That's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. that too. But just in general, you know, alcohol is not good for us. Yeah. Yeah. And so, anyway, when I take my cannabis, at least I know that I'm doing something good for my body and for my mind, and that's really important. Well, a lot of people have been having issues with sleep, or there have been several articles out about, like, some of the weird dreams since we process so much, you know, through our, our sleep cycles. And one thing that I found was really helpful <laughs> and when I would take it at night, I was like, thank you, Christine. Uh, was your <laughs> was your sleep tincture that is it's it's really great and there's there's more than cannabis in there correct yes there's you know it's a high THC formula and we did we do have some CBD in it um, and it's a you know we really were careful about selecting 
the chemo bars that we thought would be suitable for sleep. And so we did a lot of R&D around that. And then we also wanted to bring in some of the herbs that also help with sleep. So we have American skullcap and chamomile. It's uh, Roman chamomile. And what was the other one again? Um, oh, valerian. Uh, valerian. Yeah, valerian root, which a lot of people know about that for sleep. Yeah. So we do our own infusions. And so we, we infuse in all of our products where we have any herbs, we infuse our own herbs into our olive oil that, um, yeah, just a little bit out, about our product is that, yeah, we, we use a very high quality Tuscan blend olive oil. Um, we uh, started out just using our own olive oil that we produce in Novato. And um, we also use um, oil now from our, uh, the, it's actually the farm where we actually press our olive oil and they have the same Tuscan blend as we do. And so we have really beautiful olive oil, which we use in all of our products. And um, so all of our herbs are infused in olive oil and then we make our tinctures with them. And yeah, and then, so we have the sleep formula and we just, we just developed the inner balance, which is a woman's health formula. And that is not coming out yet because COVID. So we might, I don't know how long we're going to have that on the back burner, but for now, because we thought it wouldn't be a good time to be introducing another tincture. Mm-hmm. So, but we, you know, we're trying to, you know, we want to support women's health as Nicole said, and we're, and a lot of women do suffer from insomnia, I think more than men. Um, and maybe I'm wrong about that, but it seems even just in all the people I talk to, a lot of times it's the women that are not sleeping well. I don't know. You, you probably run across more people in your everyday practice to know better than I. But um, we do know, you know, with, especially with menopause, that it affects sleep patterns and uh so it's been really helpful to women who are in menopause as well as other people. I mean, I do have some male friends that I know. They love it and take it all the time. Um, anyway, so that's our slumber formula. Sometimes I think guys just aren't as ready to admit that they are having problems sleeping. That could be. That could be. Yeah, they, sometimes they're not in touch with their, you know, their bodies as much as women are. Mm-hmm. You know, we have more of that intuition and, you know, more of a connection with what's going on in our minds, in our bodies. And that's, I don't know, that's probably part of the reason that women live longer. Um, <laughs> that, that might be. <laughs> yeah, and just being able to, to communicate feelings, things like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. definitely easier on the adrenals if you can talk about what's it going is. on. <laughs> well, and, and I'll just yeah. going back to your products. So you, the way that you do your extraction process for your products is a low temperature extraction, correct? So that you get the full terpene profiles. Exactly. Yeah. So we, for our tinctures, we're, we're using a CO2 um, extraction process, as well as now we're starting to use rosin. We start, we were using rosin when we first started. And then we kind of, they, we kind of moved away from rosin for a while, but now we're getting back to rosin and we're really excited about that because that's really, you know, like getting, Again, getting that full spectrum, you know, really close to the plant, and um, and we love it. And we also um, we have an ethanol cold ethanol extraction process that we use for that's only used in our uh, topicals. Um, it's really really great um, process as well. And um, well, the other thing is that everything is unwinterized. So the thing with the CO2 extracts that we use for our tinctures is it's a subcritical, low-pressure, small-batch process. And so they're totally unwinterized. So we're not ever, like, taking the, the terpenes out and putting them back in. It's like we just they, – they are kept in there. Um, and then the ethanol extract that we use, 
of course, you lose a lot of terpenes in an ethanol extraction process, but you maintain all of the chlorophyll and, you know, the fats and the waxes. And so it's like a super whole plant formula. Um, so that's kind of our, our jam, really keeping it in, intact. I I love all your topicals, but in particular, I really like your Cycle Soothe. Um, just, I've never, I've never actually had a topical that's helped with cramps before. Wow, that's amazing. Have you ever made, well, I'm actually going to be working on my post for Apothecarium, but um, I, yeah, the idea behind that was, to kind of create an infused castor oil pack mm-hmm. and so I'm curious have you ever used a heating pad with it or I have I've actually used heat with it and it's it's been even better and I when I was amazed when trying it because I had I tried a sample of the topical before we carried you in the shop and that was one of the things that I had mentioned because I know people had talked before about getting relief from cramps from topicals and I've never been able to get relief and I get super, super sick. Um, and this was so different when I saw that there was the castor oil base and there I was like, well, that, that makes so much sense. And why hasn't anyone done this before? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's really yeah. it feels good. So, so good on the skin too. It's just like, it makes your skin feel like velvet. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's It's so nice. I could, I could talk to you two all day, but (laughs) I've mentioned that to Christine before when we've talked. It's like, I could talk to you all day about this, but we're getting, we're getting close to the end of our, our time together. And is there anything else that we haven't talked about or mentioned that you wanted to, to talk about for our listeners? Um, no, I mean, I guess the, the one thing I would say is that we are, um, like, in addition to really caring about what we do and how we make things, we're also, we're a small craft company and we're women-owned and operated and um, we're a values-driven organization. So it's really important for us to, um, to, you know, as we grow, hire locally, to really remain true to a lot of the values that, um, you know, from, two, from that we're part of the 215 movement, which is compassion and a true reverence and love for the plant. And so, um, yeah, so that's just something that we kind of carry with us and we think it comes through in our products. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of an important part of this for us is to, to just stay true and, and keep our values and, and we're really proud of being a craft company and um, yeah. So hopefully that will continue for a long time, but um, yeah. I noticed that you put a post out. I can't remember. It was like a week or two ago about offering just support to the community around, mm-hmm. um, you know, different aspects of the work. Uh, which I thought was really wonderful. And actually, uh, another thing I wanted to ask you is if people want to follow you on social media, what should they do? Yeah, so um, our IG handle is A Cosmic View. Um, we are on Facebook. Uh, it's under A Cosmic View on Facebook, too. And um, I'm less active on there, trying to get better about it. But definitely... Instagram. And yes, as you mentioned, one of the things that we really pride ourselves on is being of service. So anybody who reaches out to us, I will always respond unless you're like trying to sell me 70,000 Instagram followers, (laughs) then I will delete you. But, um, but we talk to our customers a lot and it always means, you know, and even if they're not our customers, even if you live in Pennsylvania and you want to, you, you know, you have cancer, like we will talk to you. So yes, people can always send a DM. Um, our emails are Nicole at cosmic view and Christine at cosmic view. And so I always invite people. We actually, I really enjoy hearing from people and connecting with people over cannabis and responsibly, um, you know, just seeing how we can help them or answer their questions or whatever. So we're always open and, um, really enjoy engaging with people who are curious about plant medicine. That's awesome. You know, conversation is normalization. And when we have people like the two of you who are able to give, you know, 
good, solid information, education, it, it makes a safer environment for everybody. And it also helps people feel safe exploring and seeing how cannabis works with their bodies. So I, I just really want to thank both of you for being on today. I was so happy when Christine said that you're going to be on, Nicole, because we haven't had a chance to talk. So I can't wait to talk to I you know. in person. <laughs> <laughs> when the time I comes. Know, one day. <laughs> I know, someday it'll happen. And I'd love to yeah. have both of you on again if there's ever anything in particular that you want to talk about, know that you've got a place on Planted, too. So Cool. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, it's, a, it's an honor. I know my mom speaks very highly of you and oh, your knowledge. Thank you. And so it's wonderful to have, to have people like you advocating for the industry and just, you know, talking about science-related facts and education. And um, so, yeah, thank you for the work that you do. Oh, thank you. We do it together. You know, that's it, it takes all of us to, to get the message out. Um, so this is the end of Episode 11. I can't believe we've been doing this now for just about a year. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Planted Today. And if you want to follow us on social media... Um, you get Planted with Sarah on Instagram, Planted with Sarah Pion on Facebook, and our website is www.plantedwithsarah.com. Everybody take care out there. Take a deep breath. Wear your masks. Be kind. And we'll see you next time. Take care.